Good morning, and once again, it is good to see your smiling faces, and I can actually see who is smiling and who is not, so beware of that. It's been a while. Um, how many are ready for winter to end and spring to start? You ready for that? Okay. Um, I've got good news. Though this morning when you left your house, it felt like winter, by the later this afternoon, it's going to feel like spring. It's supposed to get up in the 50s. So you ready for that? Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's pray. Father, I pray and ask that your presence would be here and that you would rest on me as I share this message today. We open our ears. We open our hearts. We just want to hear what you have to say to us today, Lord. So I ask that the things I say would just be the things that you've placed on my heart. Just be your thoughts and words. And uh, nothing more, nothing less. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to week two of the series that we're doing uh, for the season of Lent. I've titled the series, Pause, Reflect, and Respond. Because that's really what the season of Lent is all about. It's a time to pause and reflect on our lives as we approach Easter, the celebration of the resurrection. Um, it's a time to interrupt our normal routines, to draw close to the Lord uh, through spiritual practices such as prayer and fasting. Um, uh, last week we looked at three types of prayer that are particularly suited to the season of Lent. And that is prayers in which we examine our heart. Uh, and ask the Lord to examine our heart. Uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and you know, search my heart, O God. Prayers like that. And then prayers of repentance, when He shows us things in our heart that um, He wants us to change, things that aren't what, they, what, they, what He wants them to be. And then prayers of surrender to God as we take those areas of our lives and say, Lord, you know, I've, I, I, I've been going my own way in this. I don't want to anymore. And, and follow up that prayer of repentance with, I just surrender this to you, God. I surrender this area of my life. I surrender every area of my life. Today we're going to talk about the spiritual practice uh, of fasting. Now, what is Fasting. Um, the Bible talks about fasting. It's referring to the spiritual practice or spiritual discipline, as some call it, uh, of humbling ourselves before God by going without food or drink for a period of time. Um, and we're not so we're not talking about fasting for weight loss. OK, I mean, we're all familiar with that. Um, and, you know, I probably need to be more familiar with that than the sum, but we're all familiar with that. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about going without food or drink for a period of time as a way of humbling ourselves before God, as a way of denying our flesh and prioritizing our spirit. We see this practice a number of times throughout the Old and the New Testaments, although in the Old Testament there's only one time where the Israelites were required to fast one time a year, and that is on the Day of Atonement. There were other fasts that, were, that the people uh, partook of. There were other fasts throughout you know, the Old Testament, but, but that one was a mandatory one. 
Uh, but we see it throughout the Old Testament. Uh, for example, when Moses went up to Mount Sinai uh, to receive the Ten Commandments, okay, he fasted for 40 days. He was on a 40-day total fast. And then in the New Testament, when Jesus uh, fasted for 40 days in the wilderness before he, was, before he started his ministry, and we talked a little bit about that, mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, I think, um, now, the disciples, while Jesus was with them, <clears throat> they did not fast while Jesus was with them. But the expectation was that once they were gone, once Jesus was gone, that then they would fast. That's, that was Jesus' expectation. He said, no, you don't, you don't fast while the bridegroom is with you, you know, but, but later. And, and, you know, reference the fact that while I'm here, you don't need to fast. But when I, when I go back to my father, that's when you fast. And we see that in, in uh, 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 the fact that the expectation was there in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, now, whenever you fast, not if you decide to, but whenever you fast, do not make a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they distort their faces so they'll be noticed by people when they're fasting. Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. But as for you, when, again, not if, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by people, but by your Father who is in secret. Or by, yeah, who, who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So we pay attention to that. It's whenever you fast, when that time comes, or when you fast, the expectation was that after Jesus returned to, to heaven, after he ascended back to his Father, which would be now, the disciples would fast. And it would be practiced by those of us who are followers of Jesus. And yet, I think it's one of the spiritual practices that's probably least practiced throughout the church as a whole. And I think one reason for that may be that we don't really teach on it all that much. We don't really, we don't really understand what it's about and what it's for and what it does. So we're going to look at a passage in Isaiah. We're going to look at fasting. We're going to look at a passage in Isaiah where God speaks to Israel about their practice of fasting. They were fasting. They were fasting at this time. And God speaks to them about that. Isaiah 58 begins with the Lord responding to Israel because Israel was complaining that, you know, we're fasting, God, but you're not answering our prayers. We're fasting, but you're not doing anything. So God responds to that. And I want to start the beginning of Isaiah 58. Shout it out loud and do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. This is, is the Lord speaking to Isaiah. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commandments of its God. They ask me for just decisions. And seem eager for God to come near to them. So they, you know, they start in, then they, they, they start in with their complaint. Isaiah lists their complaint uh, to God that he's not answering their prayer. And, the, and verse 3 says, 
Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? In other words, why bother fasting when you're not paying any attention to us? I said, why, why, why are we bothering with this? God then responds to their question, says, Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. So, I mean, I mean you know, they're, they're fasting, but they're also getting in fights with each other. They're exploiting each other. They're doing all this. And he says, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Their fasting was no more than just, I'm not going to eat and I'm not going to drink anything. You know, they talked a good game, they, you know, but that's all it was. It was just empty talk. You see, all they wanted of God is they came to God and said, God, we want you to do this and we want you to do that. And we're we're denying our bodies. We're 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 going without food. We're fasting and, you know, we're going without water. And 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 so we want you to do this for us. All they wanted of God was his blessings. They weren't interested in following the way that he had given them to live. All they wanted was his blessings. They weren't interested in following his ways. They fasted, yes, but then they continued to ignore God in the way they were living. I mean, can you imagine going into a fast and, and all of a sudden fist fight breaks out and then going to God and said, why aren't you answering our prayer? Don't you see we're fasting? Like, you know, doesn't that automatically make us holy before you? You know, why are we bothering to fast if you're not going to answer us? When you ask God a question like that, don't be surprised when he answers it. (laughs) So here we go. God tells them what kind of fast or what, what the kind of fast that he wants, what it looks like. Isaiah 58 is the premier passage that tells us about God's expectation of for fasting. It's speaking, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and he lets the children of Israel know that your idea of fasting and my idea of fasting are completely different. They're not the same. He had just spoken to them about their exploitation and their, the fights breaking out and all the stuff that was going on. Then he says this to them. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for blowing one's, uh, uh, for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? And then God tells him his idea. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. And he continues, as he continues, he tells them what happens 
when you fast, when we fast this this way, when you when we fast his way, says then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will appear quickly. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. In other words, he says, I'll have your back. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. In other words, God says when you fast the kind of fast that I want, there is power in it. There is power in it and you'll begin to see these things start to happen. And then he continues, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on, in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, and then he lists more of things he's going to do. He says, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath... And doing from and from doing what you as you please on my holy day, and if you call the Sabbath a delight as the Lord's holy day, uh, and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, in other words, God's blessing is going to be on your life if you do these things. If this is the kind of fast you do, if these are the kinds of things that you do, if this is what your heart is in fasting then the, this, this is what your life is going to look like. And it says in verse 14, Then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land, and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's what God's idea of fasting is, as we talk about fasting. That's what he says it is should look like so after having read all of that i want us to consider a few things what does this tell us about the practice of fasting if we are going to fast in a way that is pleasing to god you know not just you know starving ourselves and you know plunking down and front of the TV and, you know, making the time go by, by as quick as possible. If we, you know, not, not that, but if we're going to, if, if we are going to begin to practice a spiritual discipline or spiritual practice of fasting, what do we learn from what we just read? One, first off, we already mentioned this, Jesus expected his follower, that his followers would fast. He expected that. He, he, you know, this was this to be a part of, this is to be incorporated in the life of the believer. You know, it's possibly one of the least popular spiritual practices because, I mean, let's face it, is there anybody here that does not like food? I know we all have certain foods that don't like us. And we may have certain foods that we don't like. 
but does anybody really not like food at all? No, we, of course not, especially in this church. We love food. We love our food. But when Jesus was talking to disciples, remember he said when, not if, but when you fast. So he expects it. Second thing, when fasting, we're not to draw attention to ourselves. The passage we read at the start of this shows us that. We're not to make it a show. Oh, I'm so hungry. I'm so weak. I can't stand it. I'm so spiritual. I haven't eaten for 30 minutes. I'm fasting. God has me on a fast. No, we're not to draw attention to it. There is a reward for fasting. God rewards us for fasting, but if we draw attention to it, and if we, you know, then any attention or admiration we might get from other people, that's the only reward we're going to get. And that's here one day and gone the next. That's it. Now, I want to clear up some things. This does not mean that if somebody happens to find out that you're fasting or guesses or whatever, that your reward is gone. Okay, it doesn't mean that, you know. It doesn't mean that. I mean, um, our pastor's group that gets together on Wednesdays, there's one particular man that I can, I can tell when he's fasting. He comes in, and, you know, if we have breakfast or if we have donuts, we, we don't do too much anymore, but we used to. Um, and he wouldn't eat anything, and he's just there with a glass of water, you know. I know he's fasting. I know the guy well, you know. Does that mean that because I figured it out, that he would lose his reward? No, not that at all. Now, if he would have come in and say, hey, guys, don't tempt me with the food. I'm fasting. Then he would lose it. Uh, oh, also, it does not mean um, that you can't tell your spouse when you're fasting. It might be nice in case they have a nice big meal planned. It kind of affects the meal planning. They're, they're fixing your favorite meal and, and looking forward, you come and you come in and say, oh, I can't eat. Or you just turn your nose up on it. No, you, you want to say, you know, I'm going to be fasting, so, you know, take that in consideration when you, when you plan meals. Now, if they plan your favorite meal anyway... We'll have another discussion. Um, anyway, so, um, you know, we're not to draw attention to it. That's, that's the thing. Um, third thing is fasting is about the heart, not just the body. Fasting is a way to tell your body, no, you don't rule me. You don't control me. We deny our flesh in order to let God work in our heart. It's not just about not eating food. That's not the point. We are doing it to humble ourselves before God. So it's, it has to do with our attitude, our heart before God, the attitude of the heart. That's what's behind it all. So, uh, and then also, neither do we fast in order to convince God to do what we want. Getting God to do what we want is not the purpose of fasting. Well, I'm going to not eat and I'm going to not drink until God does this. That's not the purpose. So what is the purpose of fasting? The purpose of fasting is to bring our heart into alignment with God's heart. 
We come before God, we humble ourselves, and we bring our heart into alignment with God's heart. That's why we fast. Not to get God to align to our wants and our wishes, our desires. It's to bring us into alignment with Him, with His wants and wishes and desires. It's to clear our minds of distractions of the flesh so that we can clearly see what God wants, so that we can clear, more clearly hear from Him and come into alignment what His wants and desires already are. It's to help us to see things as God sees them and to care for things that He cares about. So what does God care about? How many want to know? Three, four, okay, uh, a few of you, okay. The rest of you can just listen anyway. <laughs> These are the things that God cares about. Anyone suffering injustice. He tells us this in Isaiah 58. Anyone is suffering injustice. That includes widows, orphans, the marginalized, victims of human trafficking, victims of racial injustice, the bullied. Anyone who suffers injustice God's heart is for them. Okay? Think of what's going on in Ukraine right now. The injustice that's going on is, as um, um, in one city, the, a, a maternity hospital full of uh, you know, women and children was bombed, was deliberately targeted. And, it, and, and uh, Putin said it was targeted because there were Nazis in it. There weren't Nazis. There were women and children. Uh, and, a, and a children's hospital elsewhere was, was targeted and, and, and was bombed. It's, it's, that's injustice, and we should care about those things. We should care about the injustice that's going on anywhere in the world. That's, as believers, we cannot have the heart of God. We do not have the heart of God if we don't care for those things. Second thing, God's heart is for anyone who is oppressed. And this is a broad spectrum. They can be oppressed physically. They can be oppressed emotionally. They can be oppressed spiritually. God's heart goes out to the oppressed, uh, to the oppressed and so should ours. God cares about those who are hungry, including those who are on the other side of the world, as well as those who are down the street standing on a sign with the street, you know, on the street corner with a sign. God cares about people that are hungry. And we can say, well, that person's there because of choices they've made. That person's there because of this or because of that. And the fact is, that may be case. Sometimes that is the case. Or, or that, you know, that person, that's just a scam. Well, yes, sometimes it is. But much of the time, it's not. The fact is, we do not know the person's story. We do not know people's story. Now, does that mean that we, you know, go down the street and we stop at the light and we empty our wallet and, you know, give them, you know, oh, here, here's all my money. Here, here's, you know, my cards. Here's everything you need. Here's my PIN numbers. And, you know, no, it, do, it doesn't mean that. But it should break our hearts when we see people who are, hungry it should break our hearts when we hear of people who are hungry in ukraine because there's no food and water in some of the cities that have been attacked 
should break our heart. We should care about those things. God's heart is for the poor. For the poor. Broad spectrum. A lot of people. Single moms are struggling. Single dads are struggling. People that are unemployed. People that are underemployed. People that are poor through choices they made. People that are poor because life happened to them and they did nothing to bring it about on them. We should care about the poor. We should also care about the homeless and the naked, those who do not have sufficient clothing to stay warm in the winter. We should care about the refugee and the sojourner. We fast in order to come into alignment with God. And when we do, we just might hear him tell us what he would have us to do when we come across these situations. So often we are filled with, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. There's somebody at every street corner, I can't, I can't do that. Well, but when we come into alignment with God's heart, He's liable to tell us, no, maybe you can't do that. I'm not asking you to do that, but you can do this right here. That person that's hungry, well, why don't you take him down, get him a burger, get him something to eat. That person that's sitting there in the restaurant that's all alone, why don't you just tell the waiter, Hey, give me their tab. I'm going to pay for it. You never know what's going on in their life. Not to make a big production out of it. But when we put ourselves in a position, we humble ourselves before God, and we put ourselves in a position to hear from Him, you know what? He speaks. He speaks. We hear from Him. When we come into alignment with God, we just might hear him. Here's something we need to understand. And this is not only about fasting, but about prayer in general. It's when our desires and, our, and God's desires come into alignment with each other. They become the same. When those are both in alignment, when what we want is the same as what God wants, that's what it means to ask according to God's will. Because what we're asking is right exactly what he wants. And that's when we can ask whatever we want and we will have what we ask. Because our will and God's will are the same thing. And here's how we know, here's how we'll know when that happens. We will know that our heart's in alignment with God's heart when our actions are in alignment with His will. When our hearts come into alignment with God's heart, 
it will be reflected in our actions. It will be reflected in the things that we do. So if you want to check whether or not you're fully in alignment with God, whether your heart's lined up with His heart, ask yourself a few questions. Look at your life and, and ask, what am I doing about the injustice that I see around me? No, I can't do everything, but am I doing something? Am I helping in some way to free the oppressed? Am I doing something to feed the poor? Is there anything I'm doing that, can, that, that, that helps the homeless? Am I praying about the people that God cares about? And again, I'm not talking about just saying, here it is, take it all, you know. I, I, I'm, that's all I'm saying is our heart should be, should, should be gravitating toward these things and we should at least be praying about these things and listening to God and saying, what do you want me to do? None of us can do it all, but everybody can do something. And not every time that you see a need means that you're the one to fill it. Okay, don't feel that. The enemy likes to, to come in with a guilt thing and, and make us feel like, oh, if I see a need, then I'm the one. No, ask God. God, do you want me to do something about this? I, just as an example, um, a couple of weeks, two or three weeks ago, we ran through the drive-through at, at Arby's. Um, I love their fish this time of year. Not fish sticks, fish sandwiches. I love their fish this time. If you were here last week, you'll get that. Um, but, um, and they didn't have any, so we got their roast beef, which I love too, but you can get that any time of year. So we ran through, got several of them. You pull out, you turn right out of there, you go up to the corner there, there's always somebody standing there. And Lisa's like, do you think we should give him a sandwich? We got a few of them. And uh, it's like, yeah. So I rolled down the window, handed him a sandwich. Did it cost me a whole lot? No. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, and it wasn't my idea anyways, Lisa's. She's the spiritual one. So, um, you know, but, but it was just, it was something that we could do. I believe she heard the, the, heard the heart of God. It was something that she could do, that we could do, and, and, and we did it. And then we went on our way, and we ate the rest of our food. So, but it, we need to put ourselves in a place where we're hearing God's voice and in tune with his heart. And, and fasting does that. Um, there are organizations to work with homeless people. I'm not talking about giving somebody on the street corner money or something like that. But there are organizations that provide food and, and shelter and assistance and finding a job and things like that. Maybe we should do something with them. Maybe, maybe you know, periodically give a, 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 give a donation to them. But listen to what God is saying. Not everyone can physically rescue victims of human trafficking, but there are organizations that exist for that purpose and they need support. There's other things that we can do. I have an app on my phone that whenever I go stay anywhere, whenever I go to a hotel, first thing I do when I go in the hotel, I take several pictures of the, of the room and I send it through the app 
with the name of the hotel and what the room number is because then law enforcement and other organizations, as they see ads on the places where they advertise things, I mean, um, if they have ways of, of matching the room to what they're seeing, and that can help them to know, okay, somebody's you know being advertised in this room right here, and they can go and be rescued. I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought they could do that, but they can. They have the the tools in that. So that's one way that we can help. That we can help. You know, God can give us creative ways. Not everyone can go to Europe and help with the refugees who 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 have fled Ukraine into neighboring countries. But organizations like Convoy of Hope are there on the ground, ready to take the support we give to help the, regis- the, the, the refugees. You know, those, you know, Poland has said, okay, we'll take a million and a half, I mean, we'll take a million refugees. We can do that. So far, last I heard, they had a million and a half just in Poland. You know, that's got to be strained things. You know, one thing I saw, I, I love this, you may have seen that at the, uh, I guess, the train station in Poland, you know, coming into the country, there were lines of strollers lined up beside where the train is so that mothers who have fled Ukraine and with babies, they get off the train, they can have a stroller. Somebody thought, let's provide some strollers. It's it's looking at what we can do to care for those who are suffering injustice. It's not always money. Sometimes it is. But as we listen to God, He can give us other creative ways. And, and, and you know, like Convoy of Hope, that's, they're there on the ground helping out. Now, I want to wrap up with this. I want to give you just a few practical tips and suggestions for fasting. If, you, if you're new to this, you've never done it before, one... Start somewhere. Start somewhere. And just begin to add to it little by little. You could start with one meal. You could start with a 24-hour fast. Now, if there's a medical reason you're not sure whether you should fast or not, check with your doctor first. Some people, it's not a good idea for them to fast. They can do other things. There are alternative things. If you can't fast food, maybe you could fast by checking, getting off of social media for a week or um, uh, turning off the TV for a week. Did I say that? You know, um, I mean, it's, it's, there are other ways that we can use to deny our flesh and humble ourselves before God. So, but start somewhere. If for whatever reason you can't or shouldn't fast food, or I already said this. Um, okay, next one. If, if, you're, if you're doing a one-day fast, this was news to me. It doesn't have to be like from midnight to midnight. You know, you stay up until midnight, and, you know, it's like, oh, it's 11.35. 11.45, my last chance, I'm going to eat something. And then, you know, because we think we're going to die if we go a day without food, you know. And then we stay up till just after midnight. It doesn't have to be midnight or midnight to midnight. Somebody pointed out to me, I was listening to a podcast, actually, this was pointed out. And for the Jews, the day started at sundown. And then I went to sundown. So he suggested, and I, I like this, you know, before sundown, 
on the day you're going to fast before sundown, have a light meal, something light to go into it, and then don't eat until, depending how long it is, if it's a one day or three day or whatever, at the end of the fast, wait till after sundown, and then you can have a light meal. So it's a, it's, it's a way of doing without doing midnight to midnight. You know, sundown to sundown, that's, that's, that's a good idea. I, I like that one. Um, uh, now, for a longer fast, you want to prepare your body by cutting down and eating lighter food going into it. And then as you come out of it, don't go buy a big, extra-large pepperoni pizza and eat the whole thing yourself. Don't go doing something really heavy. Your stomach will, and you will pay for it. Do something light. If you've been on a several-day fast, some juice, some, some broth or some soup, something to, to lighten uh, 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 the effect of, of getting your body used to getting food... Uh, getting used to food again. And then, do not forget, but remember to set aside extra time with the Lord to pray and read the scriptures while you fast. If you're, go, if you're working one day and you decide you're going to fast lunch, then take the time you would normally spend eating, take your lunch hour, just s- spend a little bit of time with the Lord. Get in His Word and pray. Uh, because that's how we begin to put ourselves in a place to hear what God is saying to us. Don't just sit in front of the TV while you fast. And have a notebook handy to write down what you feel God may be speaking to you. Say, well, I'm not sure. Write it down anyway. Go back later and, and, and say, okay, God, was this you? Were you saying this to me? Remember, we're talking about preparing our hearts, stepping back from the desires of our flesh, and seeking and pressing into the heart of God, getting in touch with what He wants to say to us to do in our lives. So it's important to set that quiet time uh, aside with God and listen to Him. So get away from all the things that would distract you. So I want to challenge you. Set a time for this week or next week. Look at your calendar. Set a time when you're going to fast. Whatever you decide that looks like for you. Okay, I'm not saying it has to be, you know, 24 hours. I'm not saying it has to be longer. I'm not saying, you know, less. Could be one meal, could be whatever. But but you get before the Lord, see what He would have you to do, and then set a time for this week or next when you're going to fast. Start small. Just start. Humble yourself before God. Seek Him. Align your heart with His. So when we fast, the kind of fast that God puts on us, that God wants us to do, that's pleasing to Him, there's power in it. When we align our hearts with His, there's power in it. Let's stand. Father, I pray that you would let each one of us retain what you want us to hear in this message and take it home with us and show us how to begin 
to practice it. It's going to be different for different people, Lord. But highlight in our memory the things that you specifically were speaking to each one of us. And then help us to begin to walk out the way you would lead us in our own individual lives. It's our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now for your benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God bless you richly, and we'll see you next week.